Alrighty, g'day guys and welcome back to another episode of the Bradley J Driver Experience. Today we're shooting over Zoom. Um, this man is a busy, busy man, back-to-back schedule, but he's a guy that I've been following for some time. Today's chat is a little bit different to what I thought we'd originally connect with when I watched this guy years ago. I will say he's a Rooster supporter, which I'm well around. I love that. Um, he is the marathon man of past. I've seen him on TV. I watched that series, Marathon Man, where this guy's best friend, Hugh Jackman, challenged him to get himself back on track and back in shape. And he tackled a marathon in New York City, which is incredible. But it's not what he's here to talk about today. We may touch on it. He's here to talk about his charitable heart, the foundation that he's created called Gotcha for Life. Ladies and gentlemen, from your home, your car, or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to Mr. Gus Wallen. How are you, brother? Hey, Bradley. How are you, champion? Thank you. It was a very nice intro. I appreciate that. Mate, it's, a, it's an intro that's well-deserved. You're doing some amazing things within your life and within the world, and I want to talk about it all here today. Like I said, it's a pleasure to have you. I know you're a busy guy, and we planned this, I think, a few, a few moons ago now. So <laughs> um, it's good to finally be sitting face-to-face. Let's talk about your last couple of years, because like I said in that intro, I remember, you know, my first introduction to you personally was through Marathon Man, the TV series that my dad and I sat down and watched every week for the duration of that period of time. And I sort of watched your character and I really like what you're about and who you are as a human being. And at the time you were, and for a very long time, you were the host of the Triple M Grill team, which I know many people would have known and loved as they drove to work every morning and listened in but life's a little bit different now. So let's talk about sort of the transition of your career from radio and TV personality to founder of a charitable organization. Yeah. I mean, for me, thank you. Yeah. I mean, for me, I was 38 years of age and, you know, selling laptop computers in England, loving life pretty much. And was sort of wondering whether I wanted to be a salesman up until the age I was 40. And I was like, you know what, there might be an opportunity to do something different. And I had a real change of life, had a real, great friend and confidant in Jacko to be able to sort of steer me in the right direction. And we did some TV shows together and eventually, like you said, ended up on the grill team and did, did man up and did marathon man, which was great fun. And I suppose after waking up at three 30 in the morning for over 10 years to do brekkie radio, um, gotcha for life was always going to be my future. So I just had to make the decision Brad on when I needed to leave that and, and really go into gotcha for life, because I don't think, Gotcha for Life can do what Gotcha for Life is meant to do unless I'm, you know, out there every single morning, lunchtime, evening, doing what I need to do to raise funds and raise awareness around mental fitness and, and prevention of suicide. So uh, 2019, November, um, said, right, that's it to the, to the grill team or at the time, Moon Man in the Morning Show, which had taken over and I went, um, I'm, I'm gone. And they were sad, but also happy that I knew that that was sort of where I was going to go. And um, I've been doing it now for nearly 18 months full time, started the charity four years ago off the back of Man Up. And, you know, I've never had a better balance in my life. I still do a sports radio show for Triple M on Saturday mornings um, called Dead Set Legends, which gives me that sort of balance of sport and fun. Because as you would know, if you're working in this sort of preventable mental fitness space, it's very emotional takes a lot out of you and you need to have a bit of a balance in your life to make sure it doesn't overcome you. So um, yeah, very, very lucky that the the transformation from one to another has been reasonably seamless. The only person that's really upset is my accountant 
who uh, wonders why <laughs> I don't have any money anymore. But that's uh, when you when you're passionate and your heart's in the right place. Um, you know, you, you, your bank balance may not be that good, but you're filled with other good stuff. So that's just something me and my family have been able to work out. Mate, that's incredible. One thing I didn't know is that you transitioned into this world or the world of radio and presenting and, and being a face that, you know, is either in control of a foundation or a face that so many people know and love. I didn't know that it was 38 or 39 years of age that that transition happened. Yeah. It's very, um, it's very similar to Ricky Gervais. He was in, in a similar boat where oh. I don't know if you know this, but it wasn't until he was, I think 39 that he first appeared on television. I didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, for me, obviously having a contact like Jacko and I have been best mates since kindy and he was doing a, a Willie, what's his name? Um, Woody Allen, Woody Allen movie in, yep. in London. And uh, I was working at the time looking after sort of the, the Midlands and North and Scotland for Toshiba laptop computers. And Jacko bumped into Ricky Ponting, the cricketer outside a store in London one day. And Ricky said, oh, the boys would love to see you in the sheds after if you want to come and watch the first test match. This was back in 2005. And Jacko said, great. So he rang me and got his brother and his uncle and the four of us went off to the cricket and got to about five o'clock and Ricky's personal assistant rang Jacko and said, look, the boys would love to see you in the sheds. And his brother and uncle said, I'm not going in the sheds. And I went, I'm going in the sheds with you, Jacko. So when we went, we thought it might be 15 or 20 minutes, a couple of photos and, you know, so, you know, thanks for having us. But what ended, ended up being like four or five beers, had this fantastic night and we both left with Matt Hayden cricket bats and just with these wonderful stories. And Jacko and I were going home in the car and he was like, wasn't that awesome? Like to get to know the Australian cricket team like that, wouldn't it be great to show the Australian public what those players are really like? Because we only really got to see them on the field of play or whether they were doing a media interview and they were reasonably sort of professional in their answers. We wanted to see the real characters of the team. And so about a year later, Jacko had put together some thoughts around a show called An Aussie Goes Barmy, where I would sit with the Barmy Army English cricket supporters and follow the Ashes when it was back in Australia with them. And we did a, we did a six-part series. It went really well. And then I did An Aussie Goes Bolly, which where I did the same thing in India. Then I did An Aussie Goes Calypso, which was the same, but in the West Indies. So I did these three shows, loved it and was thinking, how long can I keep this going for? And uh, eventually, I, when I was promoting an Aussie Goes Calypso, I was in Triple M Breakfast Radio having getting interviewed about the show, and the boss of Triple M was in a taxi between the airport and the station, and he loved my storytelling, and he basically jumped out of the cab, went in, waited outside the studio, and when I came out, he said, look, you know, have you ever thought about doing radio? And I said, no, I work for Foxtel now, and he goes, well, let's have a chat. And... And about three or four months later, I started my first radio gig on Sydney Breakfast Radio. And I literally haven't really worked properly ever since because, uh, as you know, sitting around just talking is great fun. It's not really work. So I was lucky enough to do two and a half thousand shows and over 10 years on the Brecky show. And, um, you know, that's where my life changed for what I think for the better. And that gave me the chance to have a voice. And that gave me really the most important work I've done, Brad, is... Um, you know, the Man Up program and that started Gotcha for Life. And that all started off the back of me just chatting one morning very openly with a lot of vulnerability to, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of Sydney siders telling them about a friend of mine that had taken his life and why I was just 
so shattered about it and hadn't really spoken to anyone about it. And that started that, that process, I suppose, of me opening up about something that had really been devastating. That was a question I did have for you, the, the beginnings of all of this and that idea. And, you know, and it's quite often it takes something that's quite personal or close to us in life to sort of snap us into, I guess, the reality of the world we live in. And, and it can be very tragic and sad at times. And I know, especially in the field of mental fitness and mental health, it is quite often personal or very close personal circumstances that lead people like yourself to go on and create these foundations and, and do the hard work that goes into preventing further suicide or, or further mental health issues in our Aussie society. So how long ago was it now that you lost your friend? And then how long? Was that from... just a... Sorry, go on. It was just over a dozen years ago now. And um, basically, I didn't talk about it at all uh, for years, as most of us didn't. But his wife eventually said that she was going to climb uh, Mount Kilimanjaro for Lifeline. And that sort of gave us all a bit of an opening to say, oh, look, she's going to talk about it now and perhaps we can bring it up. Um, what made me think about doing it on the radio was we were looking at our audience, um, you know, Maddie Johns, myself and Mark Geyer at the time and going, what do they want? Like, of course, they want to have a few laughs. They want to be entertained. Do they want to be educated? Like, do you want to sit in your car or have in your earplugs every morning someone educating you? We weren't sure. So we would try to get a bit of variety of all the content we'd put into the show because you've got to come up with 15 hours a week every week. And we went, you know what, I wonder if our audience who's grown up with us a little bit at this stage, wonder if they want to start hearing about, you know, our, our lives and the stuff we don't normally talk about, the vulnerable stuff. And so one day we went, well, who wants to go for it? And I said, well, I'm happy to talk about my friend. And the lady who ended up making Man Up was driving her kids to school that morning and heard me talk about it. And we ended up having a coffee and off the back of that, she said she had secured some funding from Movember and she would like to do, you know, a bit of a journey challenging masculinity in this country and why we lose so many blokes to suicide and Man Up was created. And that's, we've had over 90 million views of part of that show now across the world. And, you know, I think it's a show that I'm very proud of. Everyone was so shattered is proud of. It's a, my journey, I suppose, and why I lost my friend, but also, you know, why, why are we losing so many blokes every day in Australia? It's the number one way to die if you're an Australian male and we're losing over eight a day now. And I just, I knew it wasn't going to be just a job within the first couple of weeks of shooting. I thought this is going to be something that's going to really stick with me. And what am I going to do with this? And, you know, I'm going to use whatever soapbox I've been given to, to keep this going. And, um, you know, we've fundraised now for anyone in a preventable space over $5 million in four years. And we are absolutely committed to you know to the day i'm pushing up daisies to be you know building preventable mental fitness programs educating boys and girls men and women that it's okay not to be okay and you know to work on your mental fitness just like you work on your physical fitness and it's actually really brave to tell someone in your life who has got you for life how you truly feel because too many of us have a mask on too many of us just go around bullshitting each other. We've got to have a deeper relationship with at least someone in our life so we don't worry alone. And that's really what we're trying to teach through the programs that we support. Mate, that's absolutely incredible. And I commend you for it. I know 
I know personally, I, you know, I do a lot of stuff for Cystic Fibrosis Australia. And for me personally, yeah. the feeling you get from that, that, mate, it's the most incredible feeling in the world when you know you're doing something that's bigger than you. And yeah. I can, I can see the smile on your face when you talk about it because it's, mate, it's, it's real work. It's, it's the work that will change people's lives and save people's lives. And I love seeing you do it. And, you know, I know our community here in the Illawarra, I'm down from Wollongong and, mate, we've been, we've been really touched by, by mental health in yeah. the last year. We, we've lost a lot of young people, a lot of, you know, I've, mate, I've been lucky that it hasn't been anyone extremely close to me. Um, but a lot of my mates have, have lost close mates. A lot of my family have lost mates. And it's really tough to see, to understand that, mate, it's, it actually, it's devastating because you think, you know, in a lot of their circumstances, and there was one fellow in particular who took his own life last year where, the circumstances I could understand the pain he felt, you know, he'd, he'd had some really tough family times. And I thought, you know, if I was in that position, mate, I'd, I'd be struggling too. And I, I can understand where that struggle comes from. What do you think it is within, is it our, our male nature? Or do you think it's more so Australian culture that shelters us and, and shies us away from opening up to our mates and the people around us? I think it's a combination. I think to break it down as simply as possible, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a bullshit stereotype that we try to live up to. And we get reminded of it all the time, whether it's in sport or on TVs, movies. It's thrown at us all the time that blokes are meant to just man up and shut up and just get on with it and don't be that whinging person that just hasn't got their shit together. And it couldn't be further from the truth. And it's about time we started to realise that we're human beings and human beings have emotions and we have things that we're good at and we have things that we're not so good at and why on earth would you not want to tell someone how you're truly feeling and it's just been my dad told me just to man up and shut up his father would have told him that it's just a cultural thing but we know stuff now Brad we know stuff that they didn't know so it's time for us and you and your children to actually make the change to go you know what that's what it used to be like but it's not like that anymore because what has got us to where we are why would we keep on wanting to do that for yeah, it's just I, I ludicrous to think that we just keep doing it and everything will change. So we need to man up and speak up. And that's pretty much was the bottom line of the man up program. And, you know, unfortunately, no one, I believe, wants to die. They just want to be out of pain. You know, so why wouldn't we talk to someone about the pain that we're in and try to get someone to help us with that? And we need to help through schools and through education, A, to have the, the courage to be able to man up and speak up is one thing but also the people that actually get spoken to, to realise that you don't have to answer that question and have all the answers for that person. Just for you to be able to go, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And I love you for sharing it with me. Now I'm on your team. Now you're not alone. You're not worrying alone. Now we can try to come up with something together. Just like, just like um, we talk about mental fitness. We talk about, let's say, physical first aid. If someone dropped down in front of us now with a broken leg or they had some sort of problem, we would call an ambulance. We would call people around. Does anyone know what to do? Is there a doctor in the house? Why? We should be able to do that exactly the same thing with our mental fitness. You shouldn't have to come up with all the answers, but you're a part of the team that puts it all together. And is there nothing better in the world than having a crew, a family, a community, a, whatever you want to call it, around you, a village that can actually help you and then you help them. And then that friendship is just so much deeper than it would be when you just talk about banter all the time. And I've just been away for a couple of weeks with Freddie Fittler and the New South Wales Blues and the Hogs, which are these awesome guys that ride Harleys into town and kids just love it, you know, at schools and stuff. And we, we do 
clinics in mental fitness, we do clinics on rugby league and stuff. All people want to do is feel a part of something. So why do we find ourselves isolated so much? It's because we don't have the emotional muscle, the words to actually ask someone for help. And that is something that we can change through education. And that's something that, you know, I'm knocking down the door on government. I think that should be a part of the curriculum. I think that's where we should be uh, heading. It's just so important that we get this right. Um, it was an awful problem before the pandemic, but even worse now. So, you know, it's time to put the line in the sand and start being a better friend to your family and friends and getting that deeper relationship. And if you feel a bit uncomfortable, well, tough shit, get on with it and just be there. You can have a conversation with snot running out of your nose and tears running out of your eyes. It's a difficult thing to do. No one says it's easy, but we've got to start having those conversations. And, uh, you know, time is of an essence, uh, really is a problem out there. Mate, I completely agree with everything you said there from, you know, the government and the curriculum within schools itself. I think, you know, as young kids, we're so impressionable. Um, yeah. What we learn in those early years of our life are, are lessons that live on with us forever. And one thing yeah. that I want to echo and repeat that I love you said in that little piece there was, we're all a part of the team that puts this together. And, and we all play that individual role, don't we? We all play that role of, of huge importance. So for everyone listening, remember that that could even be the takeaway from this whole episode that you are just a small part of the puzzle. But when we yep. all come together, we solve a bigger problem. You know, tell me, Gus, I'm, I'm interested to hear your opinion on this. I think, you know, it's funny, I've, I've become in the last couple of weeks, very, very aware of the world we currently live in. And, and what I mean by that is as someone who utilizes technology, like we're doing here today, to make a living, and, and I have the pleasure of living the life that I wanted to create, you know, being a podcast host, and this is my love, this is my passion. So I'm very grateful for the technology that's around us. But in the past month or two, I've just, you know, hearing a few tech founders and, and people in the tech space speaking on the world that we're moving into, and they'll speaking particularly, I'll, I'll sort of outline what I was hearing. It was talking on virtual reality and the VR goggles, and they were picturing a, a life in about 10 years' time from now where people will come home from work, they'll have their family or their wife around them, they not, may not be particularly happy with the life that they're living. So they're able to put their goggles on. They've created an artificial world around them where they can sit there and live in the world that they were so happy to create in their goggles. And then they'll take them off and go to sleep and wake up the next day and do what they have to do to survive and then go back home and put their goggles on and made it hit me. And I thought, that sounds like the saddest world we could ever live in. You know, we, we literally have the ability to craft the life we want to live in real life, in real time. And it scared the hell out of me. And it, it made me think about the power, not positively, but potentially negatively that technology can have. And we've spoken about, you know, here today, the cultural change and the, the change in generational understanding of mental health and mental fitness and how, you know, our fathers didn't really understand, you know, what was happening in that space. It wasn't as present then how our grandfathers Definitely didn't understand it was a different time. It was kind of just like you said, man up and get on with it. But it makes me think, do you think the world that we're moving into and the world we're currently living in, which is surrounded by technology, that almost rubs what we can't have in our face, the world that we want in our face, you know, even when we're working so hard to achieve it. Do you think that's a part of the bigger problem here? Oh, look, no doubt in the world that you, you've hit the nail on the head there. So you 
to, and say that's correct and put that to the side for the moment, realise that the communication through technology has been brilliant, especially this last year or so, like, you know, being able to FaceTime friends, you know, you and I are talking on Zoom now, but there's other media like uh, other technology like Teams and other things that I've been able to, I did a chat to BHP through the pandemic, 16 and a half thousand people on Microsoft Teams oh, wow. about mental fitness. Like I would have loved to have gone out to that workforce and sat there and spoken in front of them like I'd done a year earlier with Salesforce um, a software where I sat in front of people at the ICC, you know, 12, 13,000 people, you know, but I could do that through technology. So that's absolutely brilliant. And I was worried, really worried that the programs that we support, like the Tomorrow Man, Tomorrow Woman and Accidental Counselor and uh, Mental, mental uh, Health First Aid couldn't be done because of the pandemic. But all of a sudden, within a couple of weeks, everything gets pivoted, it goes online and we can actually do what we've been doing. I was worried about whether or not we could build a safe enough environment to do that. Well, a lot of people came to us and said, I never would have turned up at the Surf Lifesaving Club, the footy club or wherever we're meant to be to listen to your chat, but I'm very happy to do it in the safety of my own home. So technology actually brought a lot more people to us than perhaps would have in the past. So there's no perfect sort of pill, if you like, but there are people that would like the technology and other people that want the face-to-face. -face. But getting back to the sadness of that goggle world, it's, it's because it's, we don't like feeling uncomfortable, especially blokes. We like feeling in control. So I imagine if you're sitting there in your goggle world and you said, well, that's the type of wife I want to be married to and that's the house and that's this, this is, this is reality I want to... You've got full control over that, right? And you've got the yeah. te technical nows to be able to put it all together. Much harder to walk into your home and sit with your son or your daughter or your wife and actually have a conversation of gravity outside of banter so what do we tend to do? We tend to be quite lazy. We tend to go to the easiest common denominator. And that's why that world would be so sad for so many people. But there's always a positive. And I like to see the positive too of that goggle world is that I believe that suicide is a death of loneliness. I truly believe that. So there's a lot of people out there that are very lonely and are very sad and they haven't got those connections. They're not lucky enough to have a lot of friends or family. So a lot of people do live alone and stuff. So if that gives them something that would allow their world to be a little better than normal of course we won't we'd love them to live a full life with other people around them but there's always people that are just don't want to have that world they're, they're loners and they're happy to be that way so it's a little bit of a balance just like everything else in the world it's a i like to think of the 80 20 rule i've struggled all my life with my weight i've gone up and down like a yo-yo you saw me in marathon man i put all that back on again and now i've dropped it back to nearly my marathon weight again so I understand the difficulties that people have, things that are easy for me are tougher for other people and vice versa. So we can't sit up here on our high horse and say, right, this is the way it should be. But as a majority, of course, I, I think it's probably a, a sad world, but if it works for other people, awesome. Um, but have we challenged ourselves enough to see if we can live in that world with other people? I don't know, but everyone's got their own story. It's a really nice way of putting it, a really optimistic way as well. I like that. I like your take on it. Talk to me about, obviously you said there, you guys are doing a lot of programs. You're doing a lot of things that speak to people in workplaces, schools. Was that always the idea for Gotcha for Life and the, the creation of this foundation to be very program and, and communication based or were there yeah. other ideas? 
No, that was pretty much it. I, to tell you the truth, the whole thing started off the back of the of an afternoon I had with Tom Harkin, who uh, runs a program called Tomorrow Man, and his wife now runs Tomorrow Woman, which are the programs that we put most of our funding into. And Tom was in episode two of Man Up, and he had gone to my son's school, and he had basically built a beautiful, safe environment for these boys to talk about their feelings outside of banter. And Oh, that was a tough afternoon to see my son and a lot of his friends that I'd known since primary school that were now in year nine and 10 at school to see how brittle they were. They're like paper mache. And I'd never seen this, these bunch of boys and um, how much they rallied around each other once they showed some vulnerability and they started to show some real emotion and how close that group of mates got. And I thought, gee, if that can all happen right here, right now, I want this in every single school, boys, girls, in Australia. And I remember saying to Tom at the end of the filming, which took, you know, half a day, I said, I want to get a thousand of you, mate. You're like a boy whisperer. You know, I want you to be in every school. You know, <laughs> I enjoyed my schooling, but I wasn't exactly an academic. I, I would have loved to have heard that rather than sitting in another yeah. maths class or a, you know, social science class or something. And I thought, well, that's what, that's what I want to create now, you know? And so I said, well, what do you need me to do? And he said, well, basically it comes down to funding enough facilitators to be able to get around into every school. And I said, okay, well, a thousand do. And we laughed about it. And then I realized, of course, once I got involved, how bloody hard it is to get money out of anyone. Um, and I haven't had any government funding yet. However, I'm having some really good conversations with some ministers now um, that are just so switched on to what we're doing. And I feel like we're on the right path there, but yeah, it's bloody hard. So I've got 16 facilitators in four years. So um, it's hard <laughs> to find a the right type of person that is not just reading from a script because kids will look at that person and go, you're a phony. I don't trust you. And the whole thing's a waste of time. Yeah. So you've got to find the right person that believes in what they're talking about, who builds a safe environment to have the conversation that could change people's lives and change the rules on what it takes to be a man and a woman compared to what it was in the past. And so it takes a long time to get these people, but we're on the right path. I may not get a thousand by the time I'm, I'm kicking the bucket, but I'm on my way. Mate, it's, it's really good to hear. And, you know, I love to see, like I said before, you can see the smile on your face when you talk about the work you're doing. And I think that's powerful. It's so important. I want to talk a little bit personally now as well about, you know, everything that you do now for work and your life is around mental health and mental fitness. And we've spoken about your physical health journey and let's touch on a little bit, some of those anchors within your day and within your life that keep you sharp because, you know, it's easier to give, give advice, but it's very hard to give advice when you're not in the right place yourself. And I know that, you know, it's like going to someone for business advice and never, never run a business before. So if you're healthy within your own home and within the temple, that is your body, I think you're in a great place to, to be able to help, help others. So what are those anchors that you have within your day or your week that keep you sharp? Yeah, I mean, for me, very difficult uh, when I first started Gotcha Fly because I was still doing brekkie radio. So that had to be my focus. And then I used to finish, you know, at Triple M at sort of 9, 30, 10 o'clock and I would go to a school and tell my story. And that might have helped some people. And people said that I'd helped them. Obviously, speaking about the Man Up program, a lot of people have stopped me or spoken to me on socials. You know, as you would know, you know, it's easy to get hold of us, isn't it? If they wanted to, yeah. if people want to speak to us, they can 
send a note, an email, a text to various socials and stuff. So I actually enjoyed that. And I thought, oh, I'm making a real difference here. And that's great. But like anything else, it's a balance. And I, I find myself, I get up to a thousand notes a day from people either wanting my help or thanking me for something that I might've done or so it's big and I can't get back to all those people. You think a thousand a day, 7,000 a week, you know, nearly 30,000 a, a month times 12. I just can't simply do it. I can't even, I can't even get to the message to see what the message is to then send a templated, you know, response back saying, thank you very much. I haven't got time to do it. So a lot goes through to the keeper. Um, and that worries me and that upsets me. And there's people that, you know, get upset with you when they eventually do get hold of you. I sent you a note and you never contacted me back. So I said, I can't keep doing this forever. I've, I've, I've got to come up with some sort of way of just being able to do what I can do. And I'm only one person at, at, the, at the end of the day. So the things that anchor me to get back to your question is that I've got to do my physical fitness with a group of people in the gym. I did a workout before I came on here with you. And there's no way I would have done that by myself. Like, it's just so hard. And I would have given up. Like, we had to do these squats at the end. We had to do 30 squats. Hand it over to your mate. He did 30, then you did 20, then you had to do 10. You had to do that three times. That was at the end of the actual workout. And we're looking at each other going, if we didn't have each other, we didn't look left to right with this group of other people, we'd, we would all be given up. Yeah. So I need to do exercise for my melon and for my own body. And I have to do it in a group which means I need to fit in with what the gym is doing with their timing. I need to eat as clean as possible. I've got to get off the grog, you know, for long periods of time because I feel better when I haven't got that poison um, in my system. Um, so there's a whole lot of stuff that I need to do now. And I basically start my day with eight hours of sleep, water. First thing I do wake up in the morning is water. I do a couple of minutes of breathing where I just breathe in through my nose for five seconds out for five seconds it just calms me for a minute or two and then I get up and people tell me to have a cold shower I haven't quite got there yet but I then get on with my day and I'm very fortunate now we've got five members of staff at Gotcha one of those is my wife and she gets it you know like I get home and she sees that I'm exhausted I'm, I'm talked out I, I, can't, I haven't got much left and she's really good at just letting me sit and and do nothing and recharge the batteries and the kids have been great I've got three kids I've got a son and two daughters all two at uni and one doing year 12 so they're old enough to you know they've got boyfriends and girlfriends yeah. and stuff so I don't need to be that big daddy role anymore they just know that I'm there for them and so yeah it's taken a while to get the right balance but you would know yourself if you just keep working and working and working you end up you know not doing a good job because you'll just be too tired this work is just too difficult everywhere I go people tell me you know stuff that's gone on in their life and it's heartbreaking emotional stuff and I want to be with them in that moment and if I keep taking that on and not have a chance just to release it yeah that's that's that that, that won't do anyone any good well there's power in longevity isn't there and you know and longevity yeah. will keep you affecting more lives positively and, and moving in that direction that you want to be moving with gotcha for life and I got my dog here too making all sorts of noise yeah I could the... I could hear the sounds and I assumed Sorry. It was dog. what type of dog do you have well, we've got two. We've got a golden retriever, and we've got a uh, what are you? You're a bit of a bit of a bit of a mix. We'll call it the mix, a bit of a mixed bag. Mixed bag. You know what? But he's actually, carrying on like a pork chop. I don't know why. You know what? Dog, wrong, buddy? Dogs are a really good topic in mental health too, aren't they? Like, 
they are they are truly man's best friend i've got a beautiful little jack russell hunter boy at home and mate have you have you watched ricky gervais's show i'm a big fan of him afterlife yeah you know what i watched the first three or four episodes after everyone telling me how awesome it was i just oh super sad and then i haven't watched the second one yet but everyone that i know loves it and watches it so i should get back on the bandwagon well the dog saves his life it's an incredible show it's um yeah it's all about the stuff we're talking about here today and, and losing loved ones. And it's, um, it's there's a, stuff. there's a joke. There's a joke. Someone told me the other day that said, does your wife love you more than your dog? And I said, we'll put them both in the boot of your car for an hour, open the boot up after an hour and see which one is happy to see you. hundred <laughs> percent. It's a great way. It'll give it. you the answer. <laughs> great way of putting it. Mate. I'm so thankful for your time. Um, we're sort of closing in on that 12 o'clock now and I want to make sure you can get back to doing all of the good things that you do in your day-to-day life. But the most important thing for me out of any podcast I shoot is to make sure that the powerful messages that are conveyed here in our conversation are things that people can take and apply to their life and feel they have that support network there for them. So if I'm, if I'm someone sitting on the other side of this conversation, watching or listening in, and I want to have the support of Got You For Life because I'm going through a tough time, or maybe I'm someone who isn't going through a tough time, but wants to make sure that that message can reach the students at my school or the, the other co-workers in my workplace. How's the best way to get in contact with you guys? Yeah, so Gotcha for Life's got a website that has all our program partners, got everything that we're about, and that's gotchaforlife.org. And that's got all the information there. I mean, what I love about our, our community is a lot of people out there doing community events for us, whether it's a whether it's just a real simple lemonades outside the front with the little kids who just want to make 20 or 30 bucks for us because every $40 is another person that can sit in one of our um, programs. So that's an easy way to sort of think any money fundraising wise would work really well. But, you know, the most important thing, Brad, is, is for people who are, who are listening to go, am I doing enough amongst my group of mates and family to let them know that I love them? You know, am I getting myself out of my comfort zone enough to have a conversation of gravity outside of banter to let them know that I love them? And it's not an easy conversation to have, but you just got to take a big, deep breath and just have that conversation or use the technology, you know, send them a text, send them a video, whatever it might be, send them a video to their WhatsApp, whatever it might be, please, please, please let people know that you're there for them. And I do this thing at the end of all my corporate and school events if they've got their phones i say get your phones out find someone in your contact list that you haven't spoken to for over a month so someone you're not in contact with every day and get a text ready and text them exactly these words and i say i love you and no emojis none of that young person bullshit i love you the proper words i miss you look forward to seeing you soon kiss hug kiss hug and then just send it so i love you I miss you. Look forward to seeing you soon. Kiss hug, kiss hug and send it. And then let's sit in silence and wait for the responses. Turn on your vibrate, your ding dings, your fling fling, whatever. So when you get the text back, everyone can hear, hear it. And we sit. And sometimes it takes a couple of minutes. And eventually, ding ding, you know, and I'll get the microphone over to that person. I say, what's the response? And there's three responses as a general rule. One is, are you drunk? Yeah. Um, second one is, was this for me? And thirdly, and hopefully the one that we do get, which is love you too, brother, miss you too. It's been too long. And that starts a conversation and that conversation could 
be so important for that person. You just don't know. There's too many of us that are living with masks on, living alone, being lonely, even in groups of friends and families. We're still lonely because we're carrying so much stuff that we don't feel that we can talk about. So just that little text, that little bit of technology to send it could really, really make someone go, oh, someone thought about me. And then you start remembering that relationship and the last time you went out and had a few beers or the last time you went to a sporting event or you went for a walk or a bike ride or a run or whatever it might be. There's too many of us worrying alone. So use the technology to buzz people that are in your phone. I mean, if you're in your phone, you know them, you like them, let them know that you're thinking about them. And so that would be the takeaway from me. Don't worry alone and be the first person in your group or family that mans up and speaks up and tells people how you truly feel. Gus, I love that right there. If you're tuning into this, take action on that. I think that's extremely powerful. I want to say, remember that key messaging from this episode here today that you are a piece of the team that puts this together. And if yeah. we all work together as a team, well, you know the power of that. Gotchaforlife.org, Gus Warland, thank you so much for being here on the Bradley J Driver Experience, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'll definitely be supporting your journey and everything you're doing from here on out. Thank you, mate. It was an excellent experience. I enjoyed it. You're, you're a fine young man. I, I'll look forward to following your stuff as well. And if there's anything I can do, let me know. The, the most important thing in the world is to find like-minded people and go, let's just all group up together and everyone's got a skill set and we, we can change the world one person at a time. So I appreciate your time today, mate. Mate, the power of connection. I'll talk to you soon.